Okay, so how are we trying to order this episode? Well, you know, normal stuff. Uh, plot, director, music. Maybe jump into characters next? Oh, okay, yeah, I think that works. Okay, cool. Uh, here, let me grab something to drink real quick. I'll be right back. Guess I gotta get this. Hello? Who's this? Um, this is Zach. Who's calling? Do you like scary movies? Well, I should say so. Hold up. Isaac, is this you? What's your favorite scary movie? Wow, what a question. Well, depends on what your definition of a scary movie is. Um, but you know, I really like Alien um, from 1979 and uh, The Thing from 1982. But I mean, if you're talking about the history of slasher films, we could right, probably you get better a... shut the fuck up right now if you don't want a close-up of what your intestines are going to look like, you little shit. Wow, okay. First of all, rude. Uh, second of all, who the fuck is this? <coughs> Zach? <coughs> Zach, <are> you okay? <coughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I'm fine. I'm fine. I'm fine. Uh, but I just choked on a pretzel. Oh, okay. I want to hear you scream. It is time to keep your appointment with the Wicker Man. Look at me, Damien. It's all for you. Whatever you do, don't fall asleep. We'll tear your soul apart. everyone this is podcast of the dead the podcast about all things horror related we're your hosts i'm zach palmer sitting next to me is isaac wright <laughs> bird noises <laughs> isaac wright. i didn't know we had rohan <laughs> Ro- rohan rodan guesting with us this week dear god please stop okay stop gotcha <laughs> Oh god. Okay. Uh, and joining us from uh, from across the void is Chrissy Beetle. All right, lads. <laughs> um, biddy biddy in it. <laughs> oh man, so many Godzilla references. Christ. Okay, so uh, once again, we're not going to do news this episode because it is going to be a long episode. Again, you know, it's one of our uh, one of our our great Halloween episodes. Um, and of course, we're going to talk about a movie we haven't talked about yet somehow, but I think it's mostly because we were saving it for October. Yes, <laughs> and we're talking about Scream. Woo! Woo! I, Isaac has been waiting forever. Pretty much. I think we've all been waiting for this one for forever. <laughs> yeah. like, I mean, but to be fair, I've watched him way more than I should. Oh yeah, no. Isaac is probably is like an expert on yeah. on, on Scream Isaac at this point. Isaac has the big boner for yeah. the Screamy Boy. I do, uh, and I've wa- I watched all four for for no reason. We yeah. were only really going to talk about one, but <laughs> oh, actually, you ended up watching one twice because yeah, I did. Yeah. But, but it was on VHS, so it was better. So <laughs> yeah. it was a bet- it was a better experience. Yeah, we um we actually watched. I bought the VHS like before the episode. Uh, and it was the variant cover VHS is the one with Nev Campbell on it. And apparently the VHS version is un like has different edits than the DVD version mm-hmm. does. Yeah. Um, and it's actually a little gorier. And I nice. know I've told and I know I've told this story on the show before, but it actually informed why this happened. But uh, Scream was one of the first horror films that like I really got to watch a little bit of because my parents didn't really let me watch a whole lot of horror growing up. And so we rented Scream on Halloween one year. And we got to the point when Steve gets gutted uh-huh. and his entrails go everywhere. And that's yes. the point where my mom was like, no, cut this off. You know, this is too <laughs> gross. We can't watch this. 
so I didn't even get to finish the movie. But I was watching the DVD like to to prepare for this episode, and you know the it's not that bad. I watched it, and it's just a big red hole in it, and I mean right. you don't really even see the guts. And I was just like, you know, we watched vi- more violent things. I don't understand why my mom freaked out that much. That's when we watched the VHS, which is this alternate cut, and it has this whole thing where his entrails like flop out of yeah, him all like across falling. his leg. They're like falling out. Like there, you actually see them fall out. Yeah. And so I, I looked it up, and yeah, this is a different cut. It actually they cut uh, a few frames off of, or no, no, they actually just cut to where the entrails are already splayed across right. him. They're not actually mm. tumbling out of his body. Uh-huh. And so that's what offended my parents, because we must have seen it on a VHS, because we watched it like very soon after it came out, maybe a few years after it came out. Yeah, and a, yeah. a couple, a couple other notes. Um, when Casey is seen hanging from the tree, you can actually see her like entrails like all the way to the ground in the VHS version, like, but in the DVD version, apparently they sped up the shot and cut out some, like every other frame in it, uh, to make it less obvious that it's her entrails like hanging out. Yeah. It's very fast. It looks like a weird, like modern shaky cam going up to her instead, just so you can't really see the detail as much. And there's, there's also a few extra frames. Yeah. Well, it's to make it less gory. Uh, but Uh, there is also, there's also a few extra frames when Tatum dies of her head like getting squished. Yeah, they didn't want the squishy head. Yeah, and, and the, <laughs> it's actually it pretty funny. Head. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Exactly. so this is this is why kids you always watch a movie on VHS. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, interestingly enough, one of the other little tidbits as far as one thing that they wanted to cut, but. Uh, this is the reason behind the reason why they didn't. Apparently, the MPAA didn't want to let that scene of Ghostface chasing Drew Barrymore's character and then stabbing her. They thought that was too much. But Wes Craven lied to them and said that was the only take they did. <laughs> and so, he, he, just because he really wanted it in there, it was not the only take they did. Yeah. He just you was committed. <laughs> you don't tell Wes Craven no gore. <laughs> Yeah, right. This is like MPAA. Can you uh, not put Igorin, please? No. <laughs> Have you seen my other movies? As Wes Craven. Me, Hell as Wes yeah. Craven. Hell yeah. <laughs> Hell yeah. Did you see New Nightmare? Yeah. Yeah. So let's talk about what the fuck happens in this movie. Plot, synopsis, t- thing, talk. Somebody talk. <laughs> Somebody talk other than me. No. I uh, it's great. Yeah, Scream is great. Scream, um, as we were saying, one of our friends, one of our good friends, Dale, thinks it has one of the best openings in all cinema history. I don't know if I go that far, but I do love this opening. I think it's a really, really good opening. It's a cold open. Uh, We get a phone call, and Drew Barrymore's character answers the phone, and we get a really scratchy voice man saying, who's this? He's like, (laughs) I don't don't know. Why did you call here? He's like... And basically, there's this weird back and forth, and she keeps answering the phone because she's dumb. She's fucking yeah. stupid. Yeah. There's no fucking reason for it. But anyway, you get this weird back and forth with this young girl and a stranger. And he begins asking her about his, her favorite scary movies. And thus, pretty much the most iconic thing from the movie. Right. Like, anyone mm-hmm. who's ever watched Scream knows... What's your favorite scary movie? Exactly. Like it's yeah. it's so ingrained in pop culture now that you hear that and you're just immediately like, oh shit, it's that it's that ghost ghost smush face man. He has a smush face and he wants to kill. Two notes. She does. <laughs> well, but he to be fair, he doesn't specify which Friday the thirteenth. He just said who's the killer on Friday the thirteenth, but he doesn't say the first one. 
He, that sequel. could mean the franchise. Yeah, because <laughs> in the franchise as a whole, it mostly is Jason, so she's not yeah. fucking wrong. Part of my other research told me that apparently that was the same question that Kevin Williamson asked to get free drinks at bars. He was like, all right, you got to give me a free drink if you can name the killer on Friday the 13th. Everyone would say, Jason's like, ah, you're wrong. You owe me a free drink. Shit, how, why am I <laughs> doing that? What a nerd. <laughs> uh, but two notes before we continue with the synopsis. One, the voice of Ghostface is a guy named uh, Roger L. Jackson. He has a really great voice. He's and awesome. he's, in, he's in every Scream movie and then the third season of the series. Correct. Nice. Um great voice that guy uh second note it took five days for them to film the first the opening scene yeah just um, the drew barrymore section apparently took them five days to film and i don't it didn't ever said the reason why i'm not sure if it was just because drew barrymore had a lot of other obligations more than like drew, drew barrymore is a very what cocaine because that was <laughs> yeah. the height of drew barrymore's addiction wouldn't that make it go faster? Come on now, we get we we're gonna get this whole thing done in a day and a half. What are you talking about? Yeah, she probably wasn't. You know, she was just off to the bathroom all the time. <laughs> but anyway, <laughs> so ba- what happened? <laughs> so what happens is, so Ghostface kills both Drew Barrymore's character. What's what? What is her character's name? I keep Casey. 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 That's right. I always forget because she's not one who's referred to by other characters very much. They, she yeah, it's get, like once or twice. Yeah, and then that's very it. Mu- yeah. very few times. But anyway, her and her boyfriend Steve get murdered, and murdered, 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 they get murdered. 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 <laughs> But anyway, so they get murdered, and shockwaves immediately basically go throughout the town, the small town of Woodsboro, California. And everyone at school is very flippant about it, and yeah. they don't really give too much of a yeah, shit. Yeah, really nobody gives a shit. <laughs> it's the 90s. They're too busy worrying about, I don't know, what was happening in the 90s. I was not born until 95. <laughs> There is a big being desensitized to violent shtick with Scream, True. and it, yeah. that runs throughout the whole thing. Every character in this movie is way too astute and oh, way yeah. too. Every, every character is like incredibly analytical and has way too much insight into human nature. Yeah, <laughs> so it's very strange. Just but 90s anyway, kids. So... <laughs> <laughs> Only nineties kids. Remember. Oh goddamn it! Uh, uh, but anyway, so through the interactions of the students learning of Casey's death. We meet our main character, who is Sydney Prescott, and through her what? very, her very, uh, just not subtle at all, best friend Tatum. We also learn that her mother was ke- killed a year before because she's just like, oh man, it was almost as bad as oh, that shit. Mom. That I mean, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to say that. <laughs> your dead fucking mom. <laughs> So we learned that Sydney, uh, her mom had been murdered in a similar fashion earlier, and as a result, she is uh, very disturbed by the ordeal. And as a result, um, from there, it goes to, well, basically, I don't remember the exact sequences of events, even though I watched this movie twice over the weekend. Don't judge me. Things um, but judging. With we're humans. very, we're very quickly after that introduced to. Sydney's boyfriend, Billy Loomis, whose last name is a reference to the doctor in Halloween. Yeah. Because everything in this movie is a reference to Halloween. Yes. Or something else. <laughs> um, yeah. So Billy Loomis is the, the creepiest creep that ever creeped. And I don't like him at all. Yeah. Also, he's fake deep. Yeah. Yeah. He really but is. We'll, yeah. We'll, we'll get to Billy but later. He, but he... Um, yeah. The biggest clue that you get early on with Billy is that he's a big cinemaphile. Uh, 
and just specifically horror movies. Yeah, specifically horror movies, yes. but they're all into. He's big into cinema. Fucking man. And he also really wants to get into Sydney's pants. Oh like, yeah. Really wants to in a not okay way. Oh yeah. And it's upsetting. Oh yeah. So anyway, so we're introduced to him. And basically what goes on is uh, they go through their life as teenagers at the high school, uh, commonly just talking about horror films all the time. That's their jam. Yeah. And nothing bad can ever happen to them, and everything's fine until, obviously, they keep getting calls from Mass Psycho Man. And so, uh, eventually, there's a party at Tatum's house. Mm. And then she's murdered. I think she's the next person murdered. Am I right? I no, the, I can't prin- the, the principal's sim- killed first. Yeah. Oh, is Henry killed before? Oh, okay. Yeah. Yep. He's killed first. Regardless, members of the town are basically being picked off by Ghostface. Yeah, but uh, the big massacre. The, the big massacre is at the party, yeah. right? And then it gets to the third act, and there's a big massacre. And in during all this, there's also a couple of characters. There's Gail Weathers, who is investigating the... Basically, she's a reporter, and she's investigating the current Woodsboro murders because she wrote a book on the old Woodsboro murders, or murder, of... Uh, Sydney's mom. Of Maureen Prescott. Maureen Prescott. And helped basically sow a narrative of distrust in Sydney's testimony. And so Sydney and Gail hate each other. Oh, yeah. And... I mean, that's basically what's going on. I mean, yeah. that, that's that's a pretty like convoluted yeah, well, synopsis for well, someone who's watched this so often. But yeah. there is a, to be fair, there's a lot that goes on in Scream that that just kind of flashes across the screen and it's done. And so you you remember the overall story of the film, but right. the characters are so intertwined and there's such good dialogue and interaction with everyone that it's hard to remember what happens when other than right. who gets the knife. Yeah, you know what we'll, I mean? But we'll, we'll talk about it. We'll dig into it. So yeah. for, <laughs> first, that, uh, that's basically all you need to know as far as like the plot is concerned. Mm-hmm. But let's talk about who brought this uh, this movie and the franchise to us, which uh, was largely Kevin Williamson. And uh, this, he's the most 90s fucks man who's ever 90s is fucked. Oh, yeah. Because uh, he is also credited with uh, the creation of Dawson's Creek. Mm-hmm. And argu- oh. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> Arguably, Scream is just Dawson's Creek with horror. True. Like, to be fair. That's true. how I've always described it Very to anyone who's never seen incredibly it. Incredibly true. <laughs> Spooky Creek. He also... Uh, Spooky Creek? <laughs> Um, I'm pretty tired. But uh, Kevin Williams <laughs> is also credited after Scream came out. He's also credited with uh, the screenplay of I Know What You Did Last Summer, mm-hmm. which is kind of a very similar 90s horror film, just without the self-awareness. Right. It's much it's, more played played a little bit straighter it's, it's than Scream is. It's a little bit self-aware, but it really falls short of that yeah. self-awareness. The yeah. 90s are about being self-aware, but also... A really half-assed self-awareness. Oh, yeah. Being kind of sarcastically yeah. self-aware. Sarcastically it's, self-aware. That's how I always see Final Destination. You know what I mean? Yeah. And Final Destination is definitely one of those, that, even though it was 2000, came out of this whole trope. Yeah. But Kevin Williamson did the uh, the treatment for the script, and he did the screenplay. But basically, they were like, okay, who can we get on to direct this that's really going to make the whole thing come to life? And they decided on Wes Craven. And we were watching that little featurette after the VHS. Another yeah. reason oh, to yeah, get a the VHS. V- <laughs> yeah, the, v- the VHS had a featurette after the credits. And of uh, apparently Wes Craven did approach Kevin Williamson shortly after he was approached by the studio. And shortly after he read the script, he's like, man, I, I, you're 
script was really scary. I liked it a lot. Yeah. I was even mentioned in it. Because yeah. there is there is a, a, a piece of dialogue where it's like, God, you're over-exaggerating, Sidney. You're making it sound like something out of a Wes, Wes Anderson film. No, no, Wes Carpenter. No, yeah, Wes, Wes Carpenter, Wes Carpenter film. film. That's right. Yeah, but also the line before that is that... Uh, Casey says, uh, I like the first nightmare, but the rest of them suck. <laughs> and uh, we learn we learn from that featurette that Russ Craven did actually not write that line. <laughs> bitch. Because, uh, dream warriors. Yeah, I know. I said the same thing. No wonder she died. She did not dream warriors. <laughs> Yeah, I, I mean, Freddy's Revenge and Dream Warriors are both good films. Fuck you, Kate Casey. I'm glad you're dead. Maybe, no, maybe that is the reason. We know who the killer is, of, uh, who, who's behind the ghost face mask. They're big horror fans. Maybe they thought the same way. This yeah, two true. and three are awesome. True. Fuck you, true. Casey. <laughs> maybe they also just really liked Freddy's Dead. <laughs> Gross. Um. <laughs> but anyway, but yeah, so, so Kevin Williamson, the interesting thing about Scream is that, uh, interestingly enough, uh, as they started production of it, it was um, tentatively titled Scary Movie. Oh, yeah. Oh. Which <laughs> later became its own fucking nightmare of a thing. Which is also a Dimension Films uh, production, which I guess makes sense why they would parody basically <laughs> their own property. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but. But yeah. the thing, Kevin Williamson brought Scream together. They, they he had a full treatment of Scream One, but mm-hmm. also had a short uh, little synopsis and treatment, I believe, of a prequel and a sequel. There was it was mm-hmm. always supposed to be a three part deal. So he wasn't really pitching Scream simply as a horror film. He was pitching it as a franchise. Yeah. So this isn't like some of them, like we talked about accidental franchises, or we talked yeah. about ones that it was like, oh, this got too, this got too uh, popular. Where do we go yeah. from here? They always intended for this to kind of go further than the initial film. Yeah, because mm-hmm. they they started filming Scream Two basically immediately after Scream. Yeah, because Scream Two is ninety seven. So mm-hmm. no, yeah. it was it. They started filming on Scream Two while Scream One was still in theaters. Yeah. <laughs> Which I think is great. <laughs> yeah. I mean, but anyways, I that was some Fridays, but that I don't think that was intentional. Yeah, that was just because they were fucking... Friday. Oh, yeah. Yeah, see, and I, I, it's interesting because, you know, it came out, it probably had a really good, strong first box office showing. So they probably had that that relaxing feeling of, yeah. okay, we're making okay. a movie that's not going to suck. Right. No one's yeah. going to shit on us for it's doing a good, this. It's a good choice. But, um, but at the same time, it's just an interesting way to do it. And I would say that Wes Craven's involvement in this definitely made Scream what it was, because apparently a lot Williamson got a lot of pushback from the studio initially as to how much gore was in the film. Yes. Um, and the, like what we talked about before, the entrails rolling down somebody's mm-hmm. leg. Yeah. Apparently a lot of people objected strongly to that. <laughs> yeah, well. But then they brought Wes Craven on, and he's like... No. I'm gonna make this. <laughs> this sounds amazing. Keep it in, bitch. <laughs> so Wes Craven uh, was definitely a big part of why Scream is what it is today. And there's DNA of Scream in like a previous film that Wes Craven's done, which I had never seen until a, maybe a month or two Relatively ago. Recently. And I'm just like, oh my god, I love this. I had not. Yeah. <laughs> oh my god. Um, yeah, so so New Nightmare. If you haven't seen Wes Craven's New Nightmare, definitely watch that if you're going if you're kind of interested in the DNA of like maybe a proto scream, let's say. Really is. Um and that that's kind of New Nightmare is another Nightmare on Elm Street film, but it's kind of set in like the real world and it's like okay, they're making a new Nightmare film and it's like uh 
you know, it's it's like, what if, like, okay, all the actors in Nightmare were actually living the real, like, Nightmare on Elm Street, like, in real life, and, like, correspondence with the movie that's being made and all this shit, and it's actually, it's really interesting, it's very meta, it's, it's, um, it's very, like, I guess, self-aware in the sense of, like, it's a movie within a movie type thing, mm. uh, which, you know, is only expounded upon when, in Scream, which I think is really, is, it, Wes Craven was definitely the correct choice to yeah. put on yeah. Scream, is, is well, I mean, I, I the whole thinking. plot of New Nightmare is that she, hey, I'm Wes, I'm making film, oh, this film is coming to life. Oh, and there's also Miko Hughes, because he doesn't love an adorable child actor. <laughs> Gotta love Miko Fucking Hughes. Miko Hughes. Yeah, he certainly knows how to get hit by a big truck. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but I have always liked that trope of um, the writer writing something and it coming to life. Oh, and, yeah. And a New Nightmare is definitely one of my favorite examples of it. I can't think mm -hmm. of any off the top. I think I, I'm pretty sure there's a, a King novel that does something similar. Probably. And yeah. I know for a fact that there is an extreme Ghostbusters episode. That follows that trope. I Hell yeah. don't think <laughs> but, it's a King novel, but In the Mouth of Madness is basically what you're thinking of. Oh, okay. Which yeah. the well, character so... Sutter Kane is basically Stephen King. Hell yeah. Oh god, yeah, I have heard of that. Who wrote that? Oh, I don't remember. But it's also <laughs> Lovecraftian elements. Oh, it's okay. a good film. And that was made in <laughs> it... the 90s. I think that was 94 as well. Oh, okay. Huh. huh. Well, this was 96, but yeah. Yeah, like, but as in New Nightmare was 94. Oh, New Nightmare was 94. I see what you're saying. Yeah. Yes. But I don't, but New Nightmare was definitely... <laughs> him making that definitely translates into Scream in ways oh, yeah. that I never understood. We watched New Nightmare, and I was just like, yeah, no, fucking love this movie. <laughs> so let, let's talk about kind of the era of horror films that this came out in, and, you know, the, the early to mid-90s. And we're not going to say definitively that there was like it's only bad stuff that was out in this era because there was actually some pretty good stuff. I mean, you have uh, you have Silence of the Lambs. Yeah, Silence of the Lambs is really good. Although you could really argue it's a thriller. Yeah, it's it's just really kind of a thriller more than right. it is a horror film, but it does have like a lot of horror elements. True. In it. No, not and not then, uh, Candyman, of course, which we've already talked about. Candyman, really great film. Jacob's Ladder. Jacob's Ladder, also not technically a horror film. It's more, well, I guess psychological mm. horror, maybe. Psychological horror. That's yeah, I but, it. I mean, yeah, I mean, there was a lot of other good films out at this time that were horror films, but it was really kind of, like, few and far between. It was a lot of sequels of stuff. Exorcist um, 3, which is actually really good. Yeah. <laughs> Children of the Corn 4. Well, yeah. what, what Scream is poking fun at, I think, is the malaise of the big franchises. Because, yes. obviously, as we've talked about, Kevin Williamson, huge fan of night of I mean, sorry, Halloween. Wes Craven, you know, he knows what his series are doing yeah. at this point. You know what I mean? Everyone's aware of like what the big names in horror well, it's are, definitely have kind of, kind of turned like, into. It's a period of like slasher hangover. Yeah. Of like, okay, we just got hate fucked by every like slasher franchise ever. Now <laughs> let's just kind of like take a break, please, for the love of God. Please don't make any more sequels. Yeah, just like in every era, there's always the good stuff that shines through. Right. People want to make good horror films right. in any era, even if it is an era that complete dog shit. <laughs> Like, yeah. there's going to be some good ones. But uh, the 90s are really well known for having a lot of, like, directed DVD, or not directed DVD, sorry, direct to VHS horror films. DVDs weren't there yet. Yes. <laughs> Correct. Direct to laser disc horror films. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. Can you imagine? Um, that's the only medium they were ever ported landfills to. Landfills <laughs> and landfills of giant CDs. <laughs> just. But, uh, but just, um, laser the big horror franchises. 
uh, a lot of really low quality horror movies coming out, just yeah. direct to video, and a lack of really groundbreaking new ideas that really hit hit it big. Right. Like some of the last big ones did. Like there wasn't a new Freddy coming out anytime soon. Well, yeah. No one had created that yet, other than uh, other than Candyman, obviously. Yeah. But even then, Candyman yeah. wasn't really franchised until like late nineties. Yeah, he right. kind of went yeah. under the radar. I feel like. Like the Candyman like story, ways, yeah. yeah, it In didn't really ways, hit. Definitely, uh, it didn't hit the same market goals as one of the studio execs would probably so, say. <laughs> so basically, this creates the perfect atmosphere for Scream to come out in. It's like a right place, right time sort of thing, where it's like, okay, we're going to like take a a hard look at some of those horror tropes that we saw in the eighties and turn them on their head and make mm-hmm. it make it like, okay, so we're self aware of all of these parodies or all of these tropes and and kind of parody it in a certain way um and, and one other thing before we move on that i think is interesting about scream that uh you don't really see in a lot of really a whole lot of movies in the 90s up to this point and especially horror movies is is the use of cell phones which we've you know we don't we could take for granted now but we we shouldn't have back in 1996 yeah, yeah we were talking about a little bit like the first he when uh when Billy is first brought in for questioning by the sheriff uh after the first call um to Sid uh at her house, he's like, So what are you doing with a cellular telephone, boy? Yeah. And it's just like if that were today, it'd be like, What the fuck do you mean? I need yeah. my fucking I I need my I need Twitter. <laughs> I haven't been on Twitter in twenty minutes. I'm about to piss all over your floor, Mr. Policeman. But like back then, cell phones were expensive. Cell phones, I don't even know how much, like, plans cost. You know what I mean? I don't know if they're... Hell if I know. Yeah, I don't know if they're prepaid. I don't know if you had, like, a plan that cost, like, you know, $200 a month. phone cards, but I don't know if phone cards applied to cell phones, too. Um, Yeah, see, I I don't even remember, and I was alive at that point, and my parents had a cell phone, but it was rare for anyone to have a cell phone. Yeah, I didn't have a cell phone until, like, 2003 or 2004. And needed one. Yeah. Yeah. Um, And even then, a lot... My dad just worked on a pager, you know? Yeah. I mean, most people had, like, beepers. That yeah. was the different thing. For real. Also, there was so, no cooler ID. Oh, I mean, there true. may have been for, like, some landlines, but cooler ID wasn't but really appara- a thing, as far as I remember. True, yeah. But apparently you could call the police through a computer. <laughs> yeah, what the fuck was that? Can we take a second? Was, Can we just take a fucking second? It was a, uh, <laughs> I, I, I literally just... Like earlier today, before work, I watched the A Kill Count just to sort of refresh myself. And it's actually one of those like death type of things. So, like, if you, it was software for the deaf to be able to like call the police. And I don't know why. Oh, oh, so oh that was, yeah, okay. That it's, was a real thing. It's voice to text type yeah. thing. Or uh, it's it's sort of in that realm. Yeah. Okay, I got you. Yeah. So it is a real thing. Yeah. But God knows. But why would she? Why, why would she have it? it? I, I don't. Yeah. Know. Why does Sydney have it? I I I have many questions. That was the only real use of the internet in that film, too. I mean, I don't even know how. True. How and I mean, if she's Sydney's house is apparently in the middle of nowhere. She's away from the main part of the city. At that time, how good are your, is your internet connection? Apparently, yeah. amazing. I don't know. <laughs> well, but back then the the internet connection was so dependent on the phone connection, and phone connections were an important True. thing. Okay. So if you, I mean, you know, those two go hand in hand, and I mean, phones are important, so then the internet will have good signal because of that. Okay. 
uh, is what is the way I'm gonna. Posit I'm it, just not know? going to. But think anyway. About it. <laughs> but a good a good reason to talk about this is because the Scream series is a really good examination of how technology advances. Because yeah, you mentioned they didn't have caller ID in the first one. Yeah, there's no caller ID. They have to trace the phone records and stuff to figure out who's calling from where. In two, she does have caller ID, and people. Or wait, no, it's three that yeah, she has caller ID. Yes. Two, she's she's in college, and they're still just working yeah. on janky ass cell phones. Right. Yes. And then you progress to four, and then they still don't have cell phones like we know them today. It's 2011, and you have to think about how much technology has progressed between 2011 and now. Right. They're still using the weird Blackberries where you get. In 2011. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And that's the type of text that one of them has sent, like a picture, and it's like one of those grainy bluish green pictures that you got on like the worst quality like phone displays in the world. <laughs> yeah. And so watching them is just very interesting. And I do like that the the movie has always kind of stayed up to date on what the usage of technology mm, yeah. is, you know what I mean? Yeah. But it's just I don't know, it's a weird thing. It's interesting. Yeah. Um the uh, I think a, a really important thing that that the movie does too is as far as like at least the, the first one because you know it kind of gets different places as we go throughout the series but the first one is like the setting the city that they're in uh fuck what is it called again Hill woodsboro woodsboro i was gonna say hillsboro i don't know why i was gonna say hillsboro i was gonna say Hill yeah. <laughs> isn't that a place in texas it is a place in texas yeah. yes it, um, it's also a huge liverpudlian tragedy Oh, good. <laughs> well, I, I'm glad. <laughs> um, yeah. But anyway, um, the, city, the city that they're in is very much like a sort of, uh, sort of like a Nightmare on Elm Street, sort of like small town, like a, what was the name of the, it's Springvale, right? Is it Springvale? Uh, no, not Springdale. Um, uh, God Springwood. damn it. <laughs> Springwood. That's right. It is Springwood. Um, but yeah, it's just very. It's very much like a Springwood type city, uh, as far as it's like you know everybody is kind of weirdly close knit, even though it's not quite a real small town. It's like everybody knows the sheriff type thing. Mm. Uh, I don't know. But it's also huge and spread out, and there's like yeah. weird, like like I said, Sydney's house is off in the boonies, and Casey's house is like the police will never get here in time. Yeah, you're so far out. Yeah, and it's just like, house, okay, is this yeah. a, a, a tiny concentrated town, or it, basically it's like the hills of California is what yeah. it's supposed to be, mm -hmm. and that, and it's per, it's portrayed really well. But it also, when you're in the city center, when you're in the school, it feels exactly like nightmare. It feels exactly like Halloween. Yes. it's exactly like the exact. <laughs> The things, the properties that they're parodying, yes, which exactly. adds it's a small to suburb. Yeah, yeah, it just adds to the the way it all fits together. Correct. Yeah, I think, mm. and I, I don't know. I, I love the setting of the first one. The setting of the second one, I really like too, just because college stuff is always fun. College <laughs> is scary. Play some some forty one over that. You oh got yourself God. a frat movie, baby. You're good to go. Yeah, baby. <laughs> <laughs> but then interestingly, <laughs> interestingly enough, the only one that doesn't adopt this kind of intimate, and because I would call it intimate. Anytime you have like a small community, uh, college can be considered a community. Anytime you have a small setting like that, uh, everything gets a lot. I feel like there's a little bit more at stake because if anybody's dying, they're two doors down. You know right. what's going on. Correct. It's a lot scarier. Um, the only one that kind of bucks this trend is three, which takes place in Hollywood. Yeah. And 
It's a good movie. I had to watch it a few times to actually acknowledge that three is a good movie. <laughs> but supposedly, the reason why it was it was in Hollywood was because Columbine, right? Uh, is because Columbine happened like right next to when they were writing and kind of shooting the movie. I, I think it they... was that they started shooting, and mm-hmm. then like within weeks, Columbine it was two thousand, and we had. And a, they didn't want they didn't want another school setting because that would be a little bit too there close to home. There were a lot of horror movies that avoided a school setting yeah. for yeah. Right quite after, a number of yeah. years after Columbine. And yeah. Scream was one of these. Uh, franchises that caught caught up in the big debate about media and violence, and that's yeah. that was a big part of the early two thousands right. because of Columbine, and you see it crop up a lot right now too. I mean, right. people still talk about it, but there's a lot of people out there that do say that hey, media is not the reason. There's a lot of reasons why this violence happens. Yeah, please don't just single us out. But back in the two thousands, they didn't have a leg to stand on. And uh, apparently Scream 3 was fraught with a lot of this to the point that they wanted to take, again, they wanted to take a lot of the gore out of Scream 3 until Wes Craven finally intervened because Wes Craven has been, was present for all of these movies. Mm. In 3, Wes Craven did say, it's like, okay, you can take the gore out and we can make something totally different or we can make a Scream film. Right. And that's paraphrasing. I don't I can't remember the exact it's, I mean, quote. you get the idea of what yeah. he was trying to say. He was there. saying that Scream yeah. is not Scream without a level of violence. No horror mo- movie is, really? arguably. Yeah. I mean, yeah, look so, at those Friday sequels where all the where all the gore is cut from the kills. Oh god. Like, are there, are yeah. there those? Yeah, there there's definitely ones where they added uh, parts of gore out. Uh, oh, I think no. I think oh. uh, 5 5 for sure had a lot of editing in no. it. Um yeah, to make it not an X rating. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. And it was also, <laughs> yeah. I think, also around the time of the PMRC stuff. Yeah. yeah so it's all typical, all probably era. had a fingers in all that pie as well. Tipper Gore! So, yeah, so. Is she dead yet? <laughs> oh. No, I don't think so. <laughs> I'm no, I don't think so. I'm not going to say about it. Wow. So mean. That is very mean. But anyway, so just FYI, Scream has always kind of been at the forefront of this media influencing violence and stuff like that. So it's been through the ringer just like your favorite video game or your favorite, you know, movie or TV series or whatever. Scream fans rise up. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I I will will rise up. Baby. I I will rise up onto the couch and watch Scream again. Okay. Yeah, so, okay, so, obviously, the biggest point, and, like, I guess the uh, the largest thing that Stream has going for it, as we know, is that it is a parody of horror films, or at least it's very self-aware about the horror tropes that we see right. in horror films up to this point, um, which is, you know, it's really cool to see a movie like that because it does it so well Mm -hmm. in the way that it's written is is not very ham-fisted and i think one of the best ways that they do that and and kind of get it to not be so ham-fisted is that they do it through the characters and they they like not only just how the characters are and who they are but actually literally there is a character that explains horror tropes to everybody so it doesn't seem like it's so out of the blue, I guess. It's not like they have like a, there's not like a list on a wall somewhere. It's literally just a guy named Randy and he's just like, well, here's, here's all this. One thing that I like is uh, just talking about the characters as a whole. Mm. Scream is really good. I mean, like I said, since it was created as a serial, I guess you could call it, or just a franchise, Scream is really good at, it created some really, really good 
characters mm-hmm. that yes. are really fleshed out and well done in each one. And unfortunately, mm. a lot of them are replayed. But I feel like there's always there's no short of good character. There's no shortage of good characters in a scream film. And a lot of times in a horror film, like Friday the 13th, like I'm thinking of like Friday the 13th part two and part one, I don't really remember a lot of those individual camp counselors yeah. or campers or whomever. And none of them are really that strong a character. Yeah, anyway. I only remember Kevin yeah. Bacon running around in the Native American headdress because he's an asshole. He's an, Kevin Bacon, you're an asshole. Yeah. Just, that, that's all I have to say. Okay. Like, I don't remember what specifically makes them tick. And obviously... Because Scream throws them at us over and over. It's the same cast, essentially, Mm. just with a few tweaks here and there. Obviously, they stick in your brain a little bit better. But I feel like if Scream was a standalone movie, I'd still remember Randy, Sidney, Gail Weathers, Dewey. I'd still remember all of them really, really well. Yeah, they're good, memorable characters. Right. So that's just what I wanted to say about just the way that they craft the the characters and the the world as a whole prior before going into specifics but yes randy (laughs) yeah randy um yeah randy so randy obviously we're going to talk about randy first because he makes the most sense to talk about when we're coming off of the fact that it's a parody of horror tropes and all that sort of thing uh randy played by jamie kennedy which unfortunately this is the best thing that jamie kennedy has done in my opinion um <laughs> i don't even know anything else that he's ever been oh he's been in a wreck of movies after this uh, uh most most infamously i think he was in the mask 2 oh, oh no. yeah oh. i'm pretty sure that was jamie kennedy <laughs> yes Oof, woof. Um, oh wait son of mask yes Yes, he was. Son of Mask. Oh, yeah. no! Yes, yeah, Son That's of Mask. He was time. in Son of Mask. And then he made, like, this documentary film about being, like, like hecklers or something like that. Like, um, but I, I'm, I'm not going <laughs> to get into that. Five. Oh, good. Okay. That's kind of redeeming. Great. Okay. <laughs> but, but. Well, I'm not going to get hung up on Jamie Kennedy's awful, awful uh, filmography. Uh, I am going to rather talk about how good of a character Randy is because um, Jamie Kennedy was the perfect person to choose for Randy because he plays Randy exactly like Randy should be played. And he's like this guy who's way into too into horror movies and that knows like every trope of every horror movie and is like very desperate in making everybody think that he is the expert in horror movies. <laughs> not unlike myself. Um, <laughs> yeah, not unlike myself. Yeah, not Crickets. unlike us. Uh, <laughs> I mean, Randy, Randy is the one character I think that, obviously you remember all the characters, but Randy is what makes Scream work. Yes. Because Randy's the voice of that little horror person inside of you, or the person inside of you that loves horror, that's saying, don't go in there, you're right. fucking stupid, don't go in there, what are you thinking? It happens every time. You go in there, this is gonna happen to you, God, I'm gonna keep foaming at the mouth for the next 15 minutes while everyone's trying to watch this movie around me. That's who Randy is. Yeah, and we're, we're, we're those guys. We're, exactly. We're, we're all Randy. They're, yeah, true. they're exactly yes, us. True, true. <laughs> Yeah, he is very much like the audience, like the, the that one audience member that's like, yes, I know all of these, yes. <laughs> uh, and and in in the movie, in in the scene during the middle of the party, he lays down some rules 
uh, for horror movies that we'll get into later, but these, these rules kind of stipulate things that you should or shouldn't do if you are living in a horror movie. In which they are. In which they are. <laughs> and we'll get into them later, and, and we'll talk about them in depth, but let's uh, let's get on to some other characters before we get into that. Uh, we're, we're, let's talk about some of the, let's say, knife fodder in this film <laughs> the people who just die because they are meant to die in they the movie they die because die well the th- the thing is is um all the ones who die that aren't like main characters let's say do mm. have a purpose for dying um for instance the principal uh he died uh, played by Henry Winkler hey hey <laughs> i died bitch uh <laughs> But he he dies, and then later when his body's strung up on the field goal post, that gives the kids that aren't like the main characters in the film a reason to leave and go check it out. Apparently, mm. yeah. that death was um, suggested by one of the Weinstein brothers. Unfortunately, oh, they are connected to this movie. Unfortunately. Yes. But anyway, Bob Weinstein apparently suggested that someone needed to die at that point in the film when Hembry dies. Because there had been too much time in between deaths. Mm-hmm. Because <laughs> we're all just sheep and we need to be constant. <laughs> we have to have constant stimuli yeah. so we don't walk out of the theater. <laughs> so they kind of went down the rolls and they were like, well, Principal Henry. And they kind of gave him a reason because he's just kind of an asshole. Yeah. And he just like berates the kids. And they give you another... One thing that Scream's really good at is they give you really good red, red herring moments trying to figure out who the killer is. Yes. Hembry gets to be one of the long mm-hmm. line of tra- of the tradition of red herrings yes. in Scream because of how he berates and threatens children that wear ghost yeah. face masks to school. Yeah. So Hembry dies for that reason. Apparently, though, Kevin Williamson hadn't finger- figured out a reason. Why all the children should leave the house at the end of the movie, though? Yeah, to make to make it easier for them to get picked off, the main characters to get picked off. Mm. He he had killed the principal without realizing that that was the perfect way for him to get rid of the other yeah. the other the other kids in the uh, in the party. So it all they just kind of kind of worked way. together yeah. really well, which is interesting. Uh, other knife fodder, Tatum. I mean. Mm. T- I, l- I really like Tatum. I like her as a character. I think she's really, really good. Rose, she has Rose a- McGowan, yeah. Say what? Rose McGowan. Oh, yeah. Rose who played Tatum. Yeah, no, she just has a really good voice. She's very sarcastic. She keeps the movie moving at points. Like, when they're just stuck in the police station, she's like, Dewey, can we leave now? <laughs> like She's just there to kind of keep the pacing up to a certain degree. But I like her character because she's very sarcastic. She's very... Just like everybody else in the movie, she's very articulate, and she has uh, like the scene when Ghostface confronts her in the garage, right. and she's like, oh, I'm supposed to be helpless now, and she has yeah. this really good self-awareness of, oh, this is what a victim is supposed to do in this yes. scene, well, I'll just uh, do that, and well, until she, she's like, oh, fuck. <laughs> well, she even says, please don't kill me, I want to be in the sequel, which yeah. is one of my favorite lines in the whole movie, personally. So <laughs> she's really well-written as a character, but unfortunately written to be 
fodder. Like yeah, but the thing is, is like I said, nobody's really fodder in this first one. Like she is that up the ante kill. She's the one mm. where like, okay, now it's finally getting fucking real because people that we care about as characters are getting killed. And that's normally like, that's when you see the next step in most slasher films is where, okay, these are people that I care about. Yeah. Please don't kill them. Yeah, furthermore, <laughs> characters that the other characters really care about because Casey, no one really has an attachment to. Hembry, no right. one really has an attachment to. Tatum is Sydney's best friend and Dewey's sister. Yeah. So not only is it just someone that we, the audience, care about, but this is someone connected directly to two of the main characters. Yeah. The principal, and- seeing as the Weinstein brothers, as as you said, sort of did their thing, the principal was probably the thing like, oh, oh man, we see that these people like all the murders in these previous sequels and shit. Let's put more of the murders in, like they did with uh, Black <laughs> Christmas and more eyeballs. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah I mean, yeah, exactly. That's it's. Oh god, the Weinstein brothers. Again, I wish they didn't interfere. We, we as an audience are dumb fish-brained people <laughs> that cannot breathe without seeing more of what they deem worthy to drop on our drop under the table of movies. We, we can't to, live to yeah, without jump snack on exactly. <laughs> yeah. I, so, unfortunately. Henry Winkler is, is sacrificed to the table <laughs> of our attention span. <laughs> um, yeah, but it does end up being good. Uh, and like we said, nobody in this movie gets killed for no reason. Yeah. Obviously, Casey at, at the very beginning is probably the most important kill because it kind of starts the whole thing off. And it makes it makes sense as far as like, like, OK, so now this starts the whole thing off and now we're fucked from here on out. <laughs> and I've always found it's, it fascinating that the biggest actress in the film arguably i mean you can argue courtney no, cox definitely courtney cox is on friend she was well known by everybody i mean nev campbell had some pretty good notoriety by this point drew barrymore but, was an et yeah exactly <laughs> drew barrymore is et i mean she is from a holly old hollywood family yes she is one of the biggest stars in the entire movie, and she's the first death. Yeah. I've always found that like fascinating. Well, it's like Brian Cranston in 2014 Godzilla. Yeah. Oh, is he the first death? In that? Oh, he died. He dies real quick. Oh my god! Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Did he just Spoiler up, alert! Sorry. Did he just go up to Godzilla? He's like, I'm Iceberg, and he's just like, Squirrel. no, no, <laughs> no. He gets killed by one of the Mutos. Uh, What's my fucking name? <laughs> 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 your, name, your name is Splat, I mean, bitch. You know, the Arquettes are a huge family. True, yeah. Yeah. Is true. David Arquette that's... related to Patricia Arquette? Yes. Yeah, and yeah. Alexis. Oh, okay. Yeah. That's um, what I kind of figured. Patricia Arquette was in Nightmare 3. I think it's Patricia yeah. Arquette was in Nightmare yeah, 3. Yeah, I think yeah, so, yeah. she is, yeah. So, there you go. Interesting stuff. So, good segue into that. David Arquette is Dewey. Um, <laughs> Dewey's yeah. great. <laughs> Dewey's, yeah. Dewey's not my favorite, but he is such a lovable... He's the lovable fool, and you can't help but love him. He's great. Yeah, he. I mean, yeah, he's a lovable fool. So terrible, but I love him. Yeah, <laughs> but I mean, he's so essential to, like, kind of... I mean, it, it, they wouldn't have a gun if Dewey wasn't there, to be True. fair. Uh, I mean, ACAB, and that includes Dewey, but... <laughs> <laughs> but I am going to say that Dewey yeah. is important to kind of, uh, I guess, making everything kind of move along smoothly in the Gale sector. Uh, De- mm. So The only thing about Dewey is, the, the only reason ACAB applies to him because <laughs> he's not concerned with his job, he's only concerned with Gale. That's really his yeah. one big flaw yeah. is that he's not concerned with actual I mean he can say that he is and he wants I'm I'm here to help the people blah blah blah. 
he's only doing it to impress Gale, or at least that's the feeling you get throughout the whole film. And so his priorities are definitely in the wrong place. His heart's in the right place. But also in the first scream, he's really young. He shouldn't be a cop in the first at this point. Screen, in the first screen, he's just trying to get his dick wet. Yeah, no, he's he's a really young man in the first one, and he's very inexperienced. True. He's very just kind of inept, dorky. You know, there's a lot of adjectives you could apply to his character. Um, but he turns out to be one of the most important characters in the entire franchise, and he gets better. He really does. He gets a lot smarter. He does smarter. get better. I feel like he's underly concerned about Tatum dying uh, for, like, the rest of the <laughs> franchise. Yeah. He's like his sister. That's his fucking like, sister. Like he forgets her. And then he has another sister in three that shows up, doesn't he? No, that was Randy's sister that shows up That's Randy. Yeah, you're yeah. right. That's yeah. Randy's sister. Randy's sister just yeah. randomly shows up in three because, spoiler alert, Randy dies in two. I know yeah. we're not really talking about all the sequels, but Randy dies in two. But he's still in three because he was such a popular character. They had to find a way to include him. <laughs> yeah, anyway, but... Yeah. Also, Dewey was supposed to die. True. Yeah. yeah. Craven, Craven were just like, no, he's pretty cool. And that's yeah, why they include the, the section with him going into the ambulance at the end. Because he was worried that anybody who got really attached to Dewey would be pissed off oh, if yeah. they didn't show that he was alive at I the end of the film. I would have been fucking pissed off. <laughs> I know that. Um, but I feel like, I, I mean, we've we mentioned Gail a couple times. Gail Weathers, of course, is uh, played by Courtney Cox, and she's kind of like the uh, thorn in the side of everybody for, for most of, of the movie, in my opinion. He, she, I mean, she's kind of, it's important that she's there because she kind of provides like that weird backup role of like, okay, I'm, I'm observing them because I'm a creepy reporter, but also that means that I can end up saving them or helping save them in the end. Uh, which is kind of funny because it's like she didn't. She's just going there for a scoop, but then she ends up being really important to like saving everybody. The thing, in the, I, end. the thing I really love, I love about, her. Yeah, yeah, no, the thing I really love about Gale is because since Scream doesn't just sit solely in the horror camp, but also sits in the whodunit camp. Yeah. Gail is the grizzled reporter or the grizzled <laughs> yeah. detective. You know what I mean? That I doesn't like give she, a fuck. <laughs> I feel like she's more that later on True, in yeah, the series. Definitely. But but yeah, she is she definitely has a, a hint of that in the mm -hmm. first one. Um and and, thinking about yeah. her character, I always think of because uh I don't know, for whatever reason it invokes like the changeling with um Oh yeah with Patton. Hell what's yeah. It, what, what's uh Oh, God, I can't remember Patton's name. Oh, the guy yeah. that played Patton, he plays in The Changeling. He's the main guy. Yeah. Anyway, she's the one digging around, trying to, like, basically find out who the killer is, find out what's going on. She's doing it for the most selfish reasons. Oh, she yeah. wants her scoop, and she doesn't really care who she steps on in the process. But at the same time... She's out there doing the same thing that the cops should be doing a little bit more. Because it seems like the only officer that they have assigned to this entire case is Dewey. <laughs> True. Yeah. He's doing Dewey's job. Yeah. And also, I'm not going to lie, her name pisses me off. Oh, yeah. Gail Weathers. Gail Weathers just makes me want to smack whoever thought 
That was a good name. Her her outfits make me want to smack. Oh my whoever, god! Whoever oh. dressed her in like the costume it was the room. The nineties, dude. <laughs> oh my god! So leprechaun. She is a colorblind <laughs> April O'Neil throughout this entire movie, and I oh, don't yeah. approve. Totally. Yeah. Eighties <laughs> fashion was wild. You saw Jennifer Aniston in leprechaun. Yeah. Oh yeah. No. <laughs> Unfortunately. Um. Yeah. But I feel like doing and Gale play off of each other really well. Like they are good mm. foils to each other. That they they have. They're they're not really opposite personalities really but they were kind of more like uh like a laurel and hardy sort of situation like where they're almost <laughs> like a they're almost like a comedy duo well gail mm. it's a it's a weird thing because gail knows that she can manipulate dewey right but she also recognizes that dewey doesn't care if he's being manipulated right because she notices that he and to a certain degree, it's not harmful to anybody because they're still helping. You know what I mean? Yeah. They, bo- they both yeah. want a thing. They're both going after that thing for different <laughs> motivations. Dewey's motivation should way more be, let's not let more people die, please. Exactly, yeah. <laughs> but, but instead, he's just trying to get into that fucking bright yellow blazer she's got. But uh-huh. whatever, you know? No harm, no foul. I mean, who doesn't want to wear that blazer? But yes. <laughs> and I say no harm, no foul. There's a, there's, there's a lot of harm. Oh, yeah. That happens with oh, the, yeah. This movie. A lot of fouls. <laughs> yes. Yeah. So many birds. Uh, <laughs> um, but they they are, they're, I, they're really good, like, I guess kind of their story happening in the background kind of nicely ties up till the end yeah. sort of thing. Mm-hmm. And I think that like, cause it kind of ties everything together. Like scream is so like expertly written. I feel like it's just so well put together mm-hmm. as far as like everything tying up at the end really well. Um, other than Dewey not really caring about Tatum enough, uh, <laughs> uh, is <laughs> that's my only yeah, complaint. It really. is, it, most of the plot holes in Scream, you just kind of look over because it's like, ah, whatever. But yeah, that is a big one that like he doesn't really show a lot of emotional stress about that later. But the re- the way that I explained it, the way that I see it in my head is he doesn't see a lot of. Actually, no, you're right. In the first one, that is a really big hole. Mm-hmm. Because he, he's way more interested in Gail than he is, oh, about my sister died. Yeah. Because in the later <laughs> ones, you can kind of explain it away because I always thought he's really always happy to see Sid. That's always his big thing is when h- him and Sid see each other, they're so happy because they went through shared trauma. Like, right. my sister died. My boyfriend was a killer. My mom's dead. Like, my friends died. There's so many things that bind them that they're such good friends at this point. But you're right. He is woefully undermorning of Tatum in the first movie. But the thing is, the format of the way Scream is, is that it kind of is explained away just by the fact that it's a horror movie and nobody really carries over to the next movie a lot of the time, like in the sense of like grieving or like them like being mourned a whole lot. So I Mm. kind of... it kind of makes sense within the the way that they've structured Scream. Yeah. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like, I don't... I don't really hold it against him. I just think it's funny to mention it. <laughs> <laughs> um, but let's talk about the central character of the whole franchise, really, uh, other than Ghostface, uh, which is Sydney. Sydney's Sydney the Prescott. best. Sydney is a really mm. great character. Sydney is, is uh, like, I love that we're talking about Scream right after we talked about Alien. Oh, because yeah. fucking Ridley 
and Ripley, rather. I'm thinking. Ripley. I'm still thinking Metroid. I'm yes. sorry. <laughs> <laughs> but Ripley and Sydney are two of my favorite heroines in all of movies. Yeah. They're so good, and they're not. Like, Sydney has her moments of being kind of helpless and being, she doesn't know what to do. Right. But she always comes back with, I'm going to kick you in the face. Yeah. That's my default. Now, <laughs> and, and the interesting, yeah, the interesting thing is that both Ripley and Sydney have pretty good character progression throughout their franchises, but I feel mm -hmm. like Sydney has stronger uh, character development. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like she she very much in three is like a badass. Like she's almost a Sarah Connor. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And that's that's interesting. In, in three, they actually were trying to write her a little bit more like that because uh, Williamson was not involved in three. And Wes had to dial back the new writer. I, I would have to look up his name. I don't remember it off the top of my head. But they had to dial back the new writer of the screenplay saying, that's not really who Sid is. She's a much... She's not an action movie hero. Right. She is definitely a better final girl. Yeah, she's a better final girl. By a guy called Aaron Kruger. Right. Yeah, that's his name. Oh, the irony. Yeah. Uh, his name is Aaron Kruger. Uh <laughs> but no, I. Sydney is great because the thing that I like about Sydney is that she is one of the most emotional, but also most badass characters in movies you know what i mean she feels every death of all of her friends she visibly feels like yes. when tatum dies she visibly feels when randy she thinks dies she visibly yeah. feels the deaths of her friends on the on the uh college campus in two she there's so much stuff going on in her head but at the same time she does take it as, well, I'm a man the fuck up and I'm a murder this motherfucker over and over again. Yeah, bless Nev Campbell for, for portraying Sydney so well. Yeah. Uh, a mate of mine looks like Nev Campbell as Sydney. Like she's really? Like, she, they just they just look like Sydney and it's fucking brilliant. Oh. I just every time I see them, it's like I accidentally have called them Sydney once. <laughs> That's amazing. Yeah. And I think what I kept thinking, especially because of um, three, Sydney's character is so much better than Laurie's character from Halloween. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Because For sure. you take yeah. Sydney's progression versus Laurie's progression, and Sydney's progression is I still want to live my fucking life. Yes. If we're taking Halloween one and Halloween twenty eighteen as canon, if we're only looking at those yeah. two like we did in our last episode or in one of our previous episodes, Laurie took it as this thing happened, I'm gonna go batshit and this, completely this, like this thing withdraw. happened. I'm a doomsday prepper now. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It makes no sense. Sydney takes concrete steps to protect herself. Yes. She gets caller ID in two, or and she is like, no, you know, I'm gonna do what I want. I'm gonna go to school. This isn't gonna affect my life. In three, she does withdraw. She does go and she gets like, you know, a really fortified house where she doesn't interact with people. But then she realizes toward the end, is like, that's not what's important. What's important is the people I care about. What's important right. is my sanity. And what's important is putting a bullet through this motherfucker's eyes again. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. And, and then in four, she's just, she's a stable adult writer at that point. You yeah. know what I mean? She has overcome, like, this whole idea of being a survivor and being a victim. And she's just like, I'm just a person now. And I went through some shit. So Very her character progression is so natural and so... 
real. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I feel I feel like they really did Sydney right as far as a character. Like, they didn't destroy her character. Mm-hmm. They didn't. They didn't do what they did to Nan. As, as much as I love Wes, they didn't do what they did to Nancy. Because obviously they just kind of kill off Nancy in Dream Warriors, and you yeah. never really get to see Nancy have a decent progression. Yeah, but I mean, I I think I feel personally I see Dream Warriors as the last Nightmare film. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I ignore the ones after you, that, except for you New Nightmare. Will acknowledge. Dream child. God, no, I will not. <laughs> I never will. Dream child can suck my ass. Uh, but um, let's talk about another character that you don't really even think of as a character until you you uh, understand that he's actually a character throughout the whole series and is kind of consistent as his own character, even though different people are him. Mm. And that's Ghostface. And... Uh, He's still because he is voiced by um, Roger Jackson. Roger Jackson. Roger sorry. L. Jackson. Roger L. Jackson. Yes. <laughs> Before the whole franchise, he kind of still has the same sort of character throughout the whole series, even though he is different people every time. Mm. Um, basically, like listening to him is is basically Scream's attempt to look through the eyes of a murderer. Yeah. Like basically, his tone of voice and everything is basically. Even though it's different people talking through like a little voice modulator, Roger Jackson's voice is meant to be insanity, I think, is the way to yeah. like boil it down. Yeah. Is like these people are maniacs and they get into this bloodlust. And so, yeah, they might have different intonations, they might talk differently, but at the end of the day, they come out sounding fucking crazy. Yeah. And that's and Roger Jackson is such a good person to portray that voice yes and little tidbit before we go on talking about Ghostface as a character i was going to talk about the same fact you're about to talk about. okay <laughs> well I'm, yes. I'm, I'm gonna jump into it then yeah. <laughs> apparently on the on the set of screen one nobody met roger jackson until they wrapped the filming of the movie so they could keep like a lot of suspense around who the fuck's voice that was so everyone was kind of freaked out by that yeah that's pretty, that's pretty cool, cool. And I think that's amazing. And that, I mean, it must be kind of lonely for Roger Jackson. He's like, I'm going to go down to the craft services table. Down. No! You stay, in your, you stay in your recording booth. You get the Cheetos that we yeah. bring to you. <laughs> we'll bring the food to you. We'll bring the food to you, but you can't talk to anyone, even me. You have to communicate through a whiteboard that we give you, that we pass you under the door. <laughs> and the other interesting thing about Ghostface as a character is apparently... From what I've under, from what I've read, is that uh, Craven and one of the other producers on the film, when they were location hunting for sets of the film for where they were going to shoot it, um, they found the ghost mace, the ghost mace, <laughs> ghost face mask just in one of the houses because it's a very popular uh, Halloween costume. They even acknowledge that in the film. It's a very popular costume. Uh, the script itself just called for a ghost mask or a masked killer. Didn't give any kind of concept art. But they went into one of these houses while they were filming, or when they were location hunting, rather, and they saw it, and they were just like, that's it. That's what we want. Very, very last tidbit about Ghostface. He is an excellent rapper. He is. Ghostface killer! No, I'm just joking. Okay. That's a Wu-Tang reference. Uh, Anyway... Of course, we tried to leave this dynamic duo till last because, God, they're so great and awful at the same time. Uh, Billions do! Oh, God. 
Billy, Didn't you talk shit about my boy Sue. I wasn't. I was gonna. I was talking about Billy. Oh, I'd fuck Matthew Lillard. <laughs> oh, I'd, oh. Okay. I might. I might even fuck Skeet Ulrich. I don't know. If you look at Skeet Ulrich now, you probably would. I hate it. Okay, mild tangent. I was watching Riverdale with a mate. <laughs> okay, like back, why? Back before they moved to Japan, because that's what they decided to put on. And it turns out one of the characters' dads is Skeet Ulrich. And oh, I was shit. like, man, that guy's hot. And Gabe was like, yeah, that's Skeet Ulrich from Scream. <laughs> and I was like, fuck, I hate it. Yeah. No, Wolf. Skeet Ulrich definitely got hotter as he got older. Yeah, he's, uh, to me. he's a total dilf now. Oh, mega dilf. <laughs> I'm sorry. I, I don't even know if I saw him that I would care just because I would see him and be like, you're that fucker and scream and I hate you. No, no, <laughs> like, that's, that's how I feel. I am conflicted. <laughs> My boner is conflicted. But like you said, he's he's so fake deep and just manipulating. And I mean, he is a tortured soul. <laughs> like I said, no. Here, here's an interesting analysis, and I think they actually kind of pulled this uh, from real life in a way. Uh, the dynamic between Billy and uh, Stu is a lot like the Hillside Stranglers. because yes. um, uh, the Hillside Stranglers was it was two people, and it was like a guy and his cousin, and one was like the leader, and like was the one that was like abducting uh, abducting the women, and the other one was just kind of going along with it because he was kind of like a meek personality. Oh, wow, I didn't even know that. Uh, so it's it, it, they very much are like the Hillside Stranglers in a, in a in a way, and I think that was actually kind of what they were trying to get at. With I know that. that Scream was uh, loosely based on. Oh God, it was a, it was a serial killer in Florida, Gainesville, Florida. The Gainesville Ripper. Yeah, apparently that okay. that was going on around the time that Williamson was writing. I it. believe that was around the right and, time. Um, he was murdering students and stuff and sneaking yes, into their houses. that was they the Gainesville Ripper. Yeah, they yes. were like burglary slash murders. That was the one that all the research that I did credits. But that sounds a lot more like this dynamic. So I can't imagine them not having knowledge of it. You know what I mean? Because yeah. that sounds a lot more like Billy and Stu for sure. Oh, yeah. Because Billy's sure. whole thing is Billy actually has a motive. Billy has a motive that's not really explained until later in the series. But Billy has a motive that's explained in the first one that his dad was sleeping with Maureen Prescott and was the reason why Billy's mom left the family. Right. So he was in a broken home and that made him hate Maureen, who he also admits to killing in yes. Scream. Mm. And he also hates Sydney. Stu just likes to yell catchphrases and kind of be the hanger on. So Dude, that yeah. totally just makes sense. To be Matthew Lillard. Yeah. Oh yeah. We he's, we kind of said that while we we're watching. He's literally it. a human dingleberry. Uh, <laughs> he's not like... acting at all. I think that's just how Matthew Lillard is. <laughs> yeah. No. 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 Um, well. Yeah. I have a strong love for Matthew Lillard. <laughs> oh, I think we all do. He's but a apparently, a man. And I mean, the first thing I saw him in was SLC Punk, and I was like, "Yep, no." Isn't that all of us though? Mood. Yeah. <laughs> Interesting thing about Matthew Lillard is a, a good chunk, or at least a, a sizable chunk of his lines were actually improvised. At least uh, in the last part. I, I don't think I don't know how much like in the earlier scenes with but him. That's in like it, the most, but the his... most of his screen time. Like the, my favorite one is uh, there's a point where uh, he after he's all cut up and oh. Uh, they realize Sidna just ran away and they don't have her under lock and key anymore. Uh, he realizes that they're probably about to either die or be arrested. And he's like, my mom and dad are going to be so mad at me. <laughs> yeah. That was an improv line. He yeah. just made that improv up. Line. 
Uh, and also when he got hit in the face with the phone and whatever he said. What, the, what the, the phone slipped out of Skeet's hand because of mm. all the corn syrup and fake blood on his hand. And so it hits uh, Matthew Little in the face. He's like, you hit me in the phone you with the phone, you dick. And apparently that was a real <laughs> yeah. line. That was, that was improvised. <laughs> so that's, I mean, yeah, but that's the kind of the dynamic I see between them as Hillside Stranglers to kind of like the one leader and then the one following. Because, mm-hmm, um, yes, because Stu doesn't really give he, he he says his motivation for the murders is peer pressure yeah so it's really yeah. uh billy sitting over there saying hey we should really do this you love horror movies L- let's fucking do this and you get the sense that stew is really like we were talking about earlier the desensitized to violence teenager mm-hmm. or youngin yeah. in the 90s you get the feeling that he doesn't understand the gravity of what he's a part of. Oh, yeah. That's what, sure. how I've always interpreted yeah, it. Yeah, very much desensitized. I think that's a good analysis Because of he doesn't... He's just talking about, you know, we gotta play in the sequel, baby. And these days, you always gotta have a sequel. Yeah. You know, he has all these catchphrases, and he has all these analysis of what he's doing in his head from, from yeah, a person who loves cinema's point of view. I'm feeling a little woozy here! <laughs> but he yeah. never said... He never has this understanding of the gravity of it. And, that, yeah, and I always true. felt like the... I, I wish the my mom and dad are, are going to be so mad at me line was scripted because that would have lended yeah. more credence to my argument. Mm. Yeah. But, but that's also probably why they kept it in. Yeah, because it does make him seem like he's just a kid playing around. He's playing murderer. He's not... He doesn't, he doesn't get why... I mean, no, I think he gets it. But he's... Stu always reminded me of my older brother. My old brother's fucking stupid. <laughs> okay, <laughs> elaborate. <laughs> he was, again, sort of very easily peer pressure, but also was just very... Didn't... He was very hyperactive and didn't know how to... Didn't have a proper outlet. React to yeah. things. Um, Stu's, Stu's like that. Stu just doesn't know where to put this horror movie-loving energy. Yeah. And unfortunately, he's friends with fucking nutcase Ski Ulrich, and he's like, oh, no, I've got to be a murderer now, instead of Shaggy Rogers. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and that's, like, not an uncommon thing with serial killers to have misplaced energy or misplaced, uh, I guess, uh, talent. <laughs> yeah. Uh, as, as much as you may want to... I mean, like organizational skills and all that sort of stuff. A lot of it's just misplaced and they they never got proper guidance and they've been in the wrong like family situations and all sorts of things. But yeah, or their influence, like, you know, with pairs of killers or groups of killers, it's the same sort of thing. It's like people who who like the Manson family, for instance, is people who didn't have good direction. And then they're, you know, led by somebody who's fucking insane, you know, and that's it happens. Last thing about Ghostface and Billions do that I will say is you use the word talent. Um, no. They are the worst slasher murderers in all of more yeah, movie well, history. No, 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 no. Well, I, didn't, I, didn't, I didn't mean them specifically. I meant people who are competent. Right. Uh, but, uh, yeah. I no. just think, I love how incompetent Ghostface is. Oh, yeah. Ghostface, oh, Ghostface doesn't matter. Like I said, even in talking about his Ghostface is a separate character. Ghostface is always a bumbling idiot. Yeah. Uh, every time. The only one in which he's not is probably three. And Three can, is the closest to him not being a bumbling yeah, idiot. But, most of the but time he still he, falls down the stairs. <laughs> There's so many stair the falls fucking... in yeah. Scream. Yeah. It's amazing. Doesn't he don't, don't yeah. he trip over it? Doesn't he trip over the uh, outfit a couple of times in one? Oh yeah, <laughs> I think, think so. he does. Me as a serial killer. <laughs> <laughs> no. I don't know. Falling. 
I just think that's another commentary on it uh, on Scream itself and the horror genre is just that you can have a killer that's a dumbass. The only reason yeah. he succeeds is because there's two. <laughs> if yeah. there weren't two, he would just fail over and over again. Or possibly and it's three. Don't forget there's that theory. That there was a third killer? Yeah. Who? That exists. Um, some people suggest it's Dewey. No. No. Oh, yeah. I actually have heard that before. No. Uh, yeah. So, yeah. yeah. Some people suggest that the third killer is Dewey, but I, we're not going to get into that. That's it's, a, I, it's a stupid theory. Yeah. I don't. I don't like theory. it. I don't like it, so I will dismiss it. <laughs> <laughs> so let's talk about the rules, because I feel like that's one of the the most interesting parts to kind of dig into and and kind of try and analyze is the rules that Randy sets out in the party of. The horror movie rules, how you survive a horror movie. And mm. are they accurate? Because I don't know that they are. We'll, we'll, we'll get into it. Yeah. So here are the, mm. the three rules that Randy lays down in the first stream. Of course, these change as things change in the, in the franchise. You know, when it becomes a sequel, when it becomes a trilogy, those things change. But here's yeah. what he lays down in the first movie. It says, You may not survive the movie if you have sex. And... Uh, that seems to be fairly true in a lot of horror movies, uh, yeah. at least in a lot of slasher films. And we'll, we'll analyze that. And we've that. talked about that before. Yeah, we'll analyze that in a second. Second rule is you may not survive the movie if you drink or do drugs. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Which it's is... It's the sin factor. It's le- Yeah, it's sin factor, yeah, is the way he puts it. But, it's, mm. but it, it seems to be less true than the first one, let's say. And the third one, which I feel like is probably the most true one, is you may not survive the movie if you say, I'll be right back, (laughs) hello, or who's there, which that tends to be fairly true. Um, Now, let's let's get into that. Let's let's talk about that first rule, the sex rule. Um, Yeah, we've done We've done a couple of episodes where we've talked about the role of sex in horror. Yeah. So it I it isn't a hard and fast rule, but it is a big aspect of a lot of horror films. It's a large part of it. So yes. let's, let's talk about Final Girls because that's I think that's the best place to start. Uh, I, I would say, okay, so Lori Strode. Um, she don't fuck. Yeah. Sally from from Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Doesn't have the opportunity she to. didn't fuck. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, oh, God, what's her name from Friday the 13th? Fuck. Alice. Alice. Um, and then what's her name from... Uh, well, Nancy, she doesn't fuck. I'm trying to think of the girl from Black yeah. Christmas. Uh, Black Christmas, she does fuck. Yes. Though, remember? Yeah, because she's, she's pregnant. pregnant. Yeah, well, she's but pregnant. she's in, but she's in a relationship. You know what I mean? It's not yeah. like just out out there. Oh, just it's throwing, not. It, she's not just. Let's let's just do this for fun. But you know we're what I mean? sticking to what the rule says. We're not saying. But it's... she doesn't fuck during the film. <laughs> yeah, true. That's true. She has fucked before the film. That's true. That's fair. But no one else in Black Christmas actually fucked during the film either. That's true. So, yeah. The, yeah. like I said, the rule is very strange because you can have you. I mean, Black Christmas is a film with no sex in it. True. So no one fucked, mm. and yet there are a lot of people that don't survive. Yeah, that's <laughs> true. But it's not the only rule. True. It's not the only mm. rule. It is just a yeah, large. You're rule. right. Yes. So, but <sighs> child's play. Nobody in child's play fucks. Nobody yeah. in child's play really drinks or does drugs. True. Also true. Yeah. Mm. Hmm. So okay. So but what I mean, they're talking is, is about? Voodoo not drugs. <laughs> 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 I 
I think there's a large segment of, of the community that would say, no, this is more of a spiritual thing, thanks. But I don't know. Maybe they do see it as getting high on some Vodun. I mean, I, I mean, look at, look at, look at Chucky. That motherfucker is getting high off that shit. <laughs> oh, hell yeah. Okay, let's stick to the first one really quick. Mm. How often is it... I think in a lot of cheesy slashers. I think that's what they're focusing at more. Yes. Because this movie did come out, like I said, we were talking about kind of shitty horror films were what was prevailing in cinema at that point. Well, let's say, because they were watching Halloween. So I think what we're really talking about here is classic slashers. Okay. Yeah. So we're talking about we're talking about Halloween, we're talking about Nightmare on Elm Street, we're talking about Texas Chainsaw Massacre, Black Christmas, um, um, Child's Play... And Child's Play like, came after. They do, I, I don't wait. No, I'm sorry. Never mind. Child's Play mm-hmm. it was 1988. So, yeah. So yeah. it was it's right in that line. But yeah, right, right in the that 80s slasher yeah. line. Um. But yeah, I think that's what that's what we're we're dealing with here. And if we're going by that, that rule seems to be true Do for the most part. I mean, look at all those camp counselors that die while they're fucking. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Sex true. always does play a role in horror. PJ Souls's oh, yeah. character fucked. Well, Right. We've definitely established that before, and some of them are trying to make a statement about sex. Not necessarily all of them. A lot of them are just doing it because horror films are, by their nature, sensational. And yes. so you need to have some sort of nudity or sexual themes in it in order to keep the audience engaged. I, because say, they're all I would say if we're, talking about, if we're talking about the classic slashers that I just listed, then that seems to be a, true, uh, a, a rule that's relatively true. In a lot of them. In, a lot, in all the ones that I just listed, it was true. <laughs> Except for Child's Play. And Black yeah. Christmas. And Black Christmas. But they didn't fuck in the movie, like you said. So technically, that still sticks to the rule. Mm. Right? Because they didn't fuck in the movie. There may have been evidence of fucking otherwise outside there, of the movie. There were, there were sexual themes. Let's put it that way. So you are right. Yes. It, it, okay. It's, yeah. a, it's, it's a good loophole. <laughs> it is, but it's a loophole. If we're sticking to just hard wording, let's say. <laughs> uh, sorry, no pun intended. Uh, <laughs> um but, I mean, if we're sticking to just what the wording is, then we could say that that seems to be true mm. for the most part. Um, let's uh, So let's talk about that second rule. No drugs or alcohol. That one is definitely, I think... That's not a, a hard lo- and fast rule. You think not? I, I, I guess not, because, yeah, I feel like there's, in Nightmare, there's not as much drug stuff going on in right. Nightmare. Because no. I, don't, I don't remember seeing any drugs. I don't think there's drinking or... Well, there's drinking in two for sure. There's drinking yeah. in in Nightmare. I think Tina's boyfriend drinks, doesn't he? Don't they just yeah. have that party in t- in two where? In two, I'm they not have talking. A party. Yeah, um, but yeah. I think Rod maybe has like a beer, uh, an underage beerio, and then he dies. <laughs> and then he fucking dies. <laughs> to, to 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 add to the list, I mean, look at the Toxic Avenger. Look at literally all the bad guys in the Toxic Avenger. What do they yeah, do? Yeah, we're not. Drink the Toxic drugs. Avenger falls so far outside of the realm of probably what Scream was talking about. Toxic Avenger <laughs> is almost just as, as, in the same vein as Scream, just even more over the top. Oh yeah, I'm, like I'm Toxic Avenger about, took the tropes. I'm just talking <laughs> about you know, follow up, sticking to that rule as such. You know, they're doing drugs, they're drinking. Yeah, and they get murdered by Toxie. Yeah. yeah, see, Toxic Avenger is, is taking these rules that we just let out yeah. and putting the, doing cocaine and then fucking, like, <laughs> writing a movie. Like, <laughs> yeah, it's, it's turning everything on its head yeah, intentionally. Exactly. But, but uh, I, I think that the drugs factor has always been in, in horror films. I feel like, yeah, if anybody is doing 
drugs or drinking excessively, mm. yes, then then they are definitely Freddy gonna versus get it. Jason. You got you know the the parties. I mean, I know Freddy versus Jason was two thousand and three, but if we're just looking at it from the rules perspective, this is like a big the party. The weird thing about the rules is, I feel like after Scream came out, every horror movie started following these even more. Oh, yeah. yeah. That's, even, that's even one harder. thing that pisses me off. <laughs> yeah, they understood, okay, and we should start doing these harder. Wes Craven <laughs> gave us these. They're like our commandments now. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah. But, I, yeah, I mean, yeah, I would say that in general... The first two rules seem to be fairly true. And one of the reasons for the drinking and drugs thing, I mean, if we want to take it from a very real standpoint, if you're drinking or doing drugs, you are not going to have the response time to get away from any kind of serial murderer. Therefore, this would probably be a rule in real life, too. That's actually, yeah, that's fair. Yeah, that's fair. That's a, that's a fair assessment. Yeah, yeah I, I would say... Probably fucking true. Yeah, if you're mm. drunk, you're not getting away from stabbing man with knife. Oh yeah, I mean, <laughs> unless he's I also. I don't drunk. even do that while Maybe. sober. Let's be honest. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, unless he's also drunk. But well, you know, that's all another thing entirely. It's called bloodlust, and it does release similar endorphins into the brain. But motor skills are not. I shouldn't talk about this like I have a, a knowledge of it. Tell us. <laughs> I am not a murderer. Adrenaline will change your your motor your fine motor skills even if you are drunk. That's true. Yeah, yeah. Adre adrenaline will m snap you out of a drunk a yeah, lot of the time. That's true. Mm. And if you you I mean you'd be pretty adrenalized being chased by a guy with a knife. So yeah. I think it might actually not matter. But yeah. who's to say? Yep. It depends on how fucked up you are, probably. Yeah. And on what? Uh, we need to do a Mythbusters episode uh, <laughs> about this. Someone get a knife and chase after these drunk people, please, and we'll see how this works. Oh. Also, guy with knife, you're also drunk. Oh, yeah. no. Also, I'm drunk. <laughs> That's a separate thing. Um, Why did you take like a three-hour video of just the ground? Oh, we were doing a Mythbusters. Three of your friends are dead. Oh, fuck, God, we didn't even get on video. Yeah. <laughs> Let's do it again. <laughs> Three more people. Come out here. Yeah, yeah. No, no we, we know what happened to the last guys. Uh, anyway, so let's talk about that last rule. And the last rule, I feel like, to me, seems to be the most true one. Um, and there isn't really a whole lot of caveats with it, uh, at least in my opinion. And we'll talk about it, and that's the whole point of analyzing the rules. But the you may not survive the movie if you say, I'll be right back. You say hello, questioningly, mm. in normally into an empty hallway. Uh, or who's there? When does he say the hello and who's there? Um, he does. He doesn't. But that's kind of like added on. Um, this is this is from the Scream Wiki. Okay, <laughs> you're that, also that, that's, the Scream Wiki. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. This is from the Scream Wiki, but I, I guess that's part of. I guess that's part of it in some place, and maybe we just missed it. Maybe it was in the screenplay or something, and they just added maybe. it in. It's possible because they they do boil it down. If we're going by the the movie. I'll be right back is the one big thing that you're never supposed to say. And they reference it in two. They reference it in three. They reference it in four. It's the biggest thing that you're not supposed to say throughout the series. Yeah. But it's true for other other slasher films, I would say, is generally when somebody in a slasher film says, I'll be right back, they're not right back. I'm pretty sure they say <laughs> I'll be right back in um, Texas Chainsaw. The, the, that the, um... The, the disco stew bloke and Tony Shorts woman. 
I think she oh, yeah, says they, I'll be right back they... to her when he's about to go into the house. I think, and if we want to do an analysis of it, the reason is, and I think the reason why there's also a hello and what's the other one? Who's there? Mm. Yeah. The reason those are important and the reason why I think that is a good rule, and you're right, there isn't a lot of deviation from it. Those are things you say when you're stupid and you go off alone. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. True. The I'll be right back is I'm going to go into the other room where there no there's no one else there to help me. Like it's always one of those isolating things or things that you say when you're about to become isolated. Oh, yeah. So that is a very good rule. And but yeah, no, I mean, the who's there thing you can definitely feel in, in your in your normal life. You know what I mean? If you hear like a, a ruckus in your house and you and go off to investigate and you're just like. Somebody there, immediately you're scared out of your mind because all of this stuff is embedded in I would in say you. this is the one rule that we can actually remedy and not cramp anybody's style, uh, and that would be uh, use the fucking buddy system. <laughs> uh, yeah. Like, pretty much it's that, that Take easy. Take a pal. Yeah. Unfortunately, the first two rules, uh, telling people not to fuck, that, fuck, we don't care, uh, <laughs> and, and drinking uh, drinking and uh, doing drugs, fuck it, yeah, hell yeah. Uh, I, I mean, <laughs> have two bottles of cider that I'm literally staring at. Drink away, my dudes. Yeah, I, I mean, mean, we're not in a horror film, so I mean, you know, the yeah, rules don't apply to I'm, us. I mean, my life is a horror. <laughs> uh, that's just because of where I work. Yeah. <laughs> but I think, I think it is a pretty pithy analysis of of horror so yeah. i think that mm. and they've only done they they do it better in each one they always have good yes. rules for each one that i think you know apply really well i can't remember the rules for sequels rules for trilogies but they always are pretty on point so and i mean obviously this is coming from people in the industry the people who wrote yes. it or the people in the industry yeah. so they understand what makes a horror movie tick yeah but uh Applying these in your everyday life, I would say, I can't tell people to not have sex if you go camping in the woods alone, because obviously that's what you do, but yeah. fucking yeah. go camping in the woods alone, but in one of those like communal camping spots where there's a lot of other people around you, and then have sex very loud. <laughs> <Don't> <laughs> gig, yeah, so yeah. Oh, by all means, have sex. Make sure a lot of other people know oh, you're having oh, sex. Oh, fuck, fuck incredibly loudly and then run out and it, come on one of the tents. It's <laughs> half one in the morning. So that, that's how you solve that one. We're talking about scream. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, drinking, and doing, drinking and doing drugs. Make sure you have a lot of weapons with you when you're doing no, drinking no, and no, doing no, no, drugs. No, no. no, no that's an awful yeah. idea. But no, best idea, then, like, yeah, <laughs> you're not going to be the victim because you're the perpetrator. <laughs> <laughs> you solve being the victim, and then you go to jail. You're the, you're the Vic perpetrator. Exactly. <laughs> so, yeah, I just solved it for you, but at your own expense. I got drunk I mean, and high in the woods and stabbed myself in the leg. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, just like I said, you. I'm not saying these are good ways to prevent yourself from being the victim of a Jason or a Freddy. I'm just saying that then you're your own victim slash, you know, murderer. So you... I, pull yourself up by your bootstraps. Yeah, exactly. Uh, Figure it out yourself, guys. Kill Come yourself. Uh, <laughs> I feel like a brilliant way to not be a victim of, like, Freddy if we if we go for these rules is just have a weird kinky sex dream. I could just see that Freddy would just know part of that. What are you talking about? He would love that. Okay. I don't know. 
I think. Oh, okay. Fine. I mean, I agree with. Uh, I think Freddy. Freddy is into one, everything. Are you true. kidding? Oh yeah, I do. Like he is into absolutely everything. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, don't think about it. <laughs> anyway, and then finally, <laughs> as far as yeah, buddy system was the last one. Yeah, so, buddy oh, system. Yeah, definitely. We solved horror movies for you. We um, can make a really boring horror movie, or you can just watch and see how things would have gone better. Had people followed our rules, it's literally our movie would be called Five Friends uh, Camp in the Woods and Nothing Happens except (laughs) except loud fucking in parentheses, loud fucking and coming on the tents (laughs) (laughs) and stabbing yourself in the leg. Stabbing yourself in the leg would be Isaac. Oh, absolutely. Oh yeah, I almost do that daily. I'm I'm not going to say anything about the other thing because I think we all know. I think it's really important to, and we, you know, we've kind of alluded to this this whole time, this whole episode, about the effect that Scream has had on horror as a genre. And I feel like, you know, there are there's sort of watershed moments in the horror genre that we talk about. Obviously, we talk about Black Christmas and um, and Texas Chainsaw Massacre being kind of like that important point where slashers finally got a good footing in the genre. And then we talk we talk about how uh, Friday the Thirteenth really kind of like made the mega franchise. Well, we think kind of like this kind of like pre-stream and post-stream is how we kind of oh yeah I would view say that's this a period of film is that mm. we say okay this is everything pre-stream and that's that's all like heavy franchised weird slasher bullshit and then we have okay now it's the self-aware period you know like mm. where we yeah. realize okay now we understand the horror trips that we had. Scream, uh, Scream was definitely good and bad, because w- the effect of Scream is Scream gave us a revitalization of the horror genre, like we were talking about. It was kind of in a period of just endless sequels, weird, just kind of shitty movies. Scream showed people that it could be a viable thing again, because one thing we haven't mentioned up until now is that Scream is the largest was the largest grossing slasher film up until Halloween 2018 for some fucking reason. It was okay. Okay. But it wasn't. I liked it. We've already shit on it enough, so I'm not going to go into it. But up until that point, Scream was the highest grossing slasher film. And it adjusted dollars, if we look at like how, how the dollars fluctuated over time, still is. So Scream was a very big deal. And Scream showed the movie execs and the public that this genre is viable again mm-hmm. now the result of that is good and bad yes because you got some really good stuff um i'm trying to think of some later stuff that came out that was probably really really heavily influenced but i'd say the new evil dead was really influenced by scream and the way that the characters work and yeah. stuff like that almost mm-hmm. more so than the original evil dead because that was so comedy driven and th- that one was kind of i mean the new evil dead was pretty self-aware in a way yes oh, yeah. um Final Destination definitely had its roots in Scream because Final Destination oh, deals with sure. idiots. <laughs> the, big, the biggest one to me, Cabin in the Woods. Oh yeah, yeah Cabin in the Woods. Cabin for in the sure. Woods is very much. Cabin very in much the Woods is such a good movie, and yeah, yeah, it's like Scream to a T. I mean, we literally have a character in Cabin in the Woods that is meant to be basically Shaggy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, true. I mean, yeah. it can't not be a fucking reference to Matthew Lillard, who ended up playing Shaggy in those. Uh, live action Scooby <laughs> but so yeah so Scream did a good job of making sure people that know that like modern horror doesn't have to necessarily just be really I, I don't know what to call it it's, it's not bland 
But the acting in some of the old horror movies... Formulaic. Yeah, formulaic. Very yeah. very stoic. Very cardboard. I don't know how to say it, but just the way that some of the characters were in some of those old films... Predictable is another way to say it. Like, you can tell who the people that are going to die are, and you can tell who's probably going to make it to the end. I would say, like, right after Scream came out, like, probably the most important horror franchise that started after Scream was probably Final Destination. Yeah. Like, Final Destination, I felt like, was... In it, in it, to a degree, self-aware, mm-hmm. um, and had and had that sort of thing where it's like we know what we're making, but we're still gonna make it and have fun with it. Mm-hmm. But also, we're kind of serious about it, but we're kind of not serious about it. Especially like later Final Destinations, like they're, le- they're definitely less serious about it. Four, four was a mess, but like five was quite self-aware and looped back really nicely. I haven't seen past two, so... (laughs) I like three. I hate to be that guy, but I love Final Destination 3. They're a hitter. But I hate Scream 3. Yeah, Scream 3 I came around on. But, um... I know what you did last summer as well. It was yeah. quite a big like franchise inspired like by this. Well, it was also Williamson. Yeah, so it was, very, it was very much in yeah. his wheelhouse that he that he made both of those. But that was what I was going to say. Is The bad is that even though you do have good ones like Final Destination, you also have a lot of the, those have... bad movies that come out that are all fucking teenagers doing dumb shit. Oh, we're fucking, oh, we're all witty and cool, and look how hip we are. And then someone comes out and kills them. You know what I mean? It's so fucking stupid. I mean, I'm pretty sure After Scream is when we got Halloween H2O. Yes, yeah. Or, and Halloween Resurrection. Oh, and, but then so... you got stuff like... I feel like Jeepers Creepers and bullshit like that. Oh, that was yeah. like gross, oh. gross. Just like we're dumb college kids. Let's go out for a drive. Oh no, we're dying all of a sudden. Like that I type think, of but, thing directly influenced. Well, but we've talked about that era of film specifically before. That it is kind of mm. that era of film where, uh, uh, most things sucked. Like late, <laughs> like late nineties, early two thousands is like mm. pretty much everything sucked then. But they saw Scream and they were like, oh, they didn't get the subtlety of it. You know what I mean? They were like, oh, we can yeah. do that. Dumb kids and a dumb villain? I mean, we could do that. Yeah. Uh, they didn't get what made Scream smart in addition yeah. to profitable. So ham-fisted. Yeah. yeah. So I feel like that was the downside of what Scream did. But I think in general, yeah, it is like it is a watershed moment in horror movies mm-hmm. where it's just like, okay. We also got scary movie thanks to Scream, so <laughs> I fucking hate oh, it. Oh, it's thanks. the worst. Can we talk about that for a second? How shitty that movie is? Which one? <laughs> All of, uh, well, I've only seen one. And it's it's so much a product of its time because homophobia was still okay. Uh, yeah. The Waynes brothers were still okay. Yeah. Fucking. They were, they were okay. Ever? I mean, according to people that saw that movie, that movie's hilarious, guys. You need to see this. Like, I saw that movie like a year ago and I fucking couldn't stand yeah, it. No, I was it's like, why very, was this ever funny? It's difficult to watch. Like the fucking the fucking scene where they make a joke out of her having to shave her mustache. It's just like, yeah. fuck yourself. Yeah, you're gonna just dude. I have to shave my fucking stash every. That's what I'm day. saying. You're gonna like, fuck you. You're gonna make fun of people's actual like bodily functions. Go fuck now, yourself, you fucking asshole. I will say there's one joke. There's one joke in Scary Movie One that I think is funny. Come fire hose. The come fire hose. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, the, <laughs> I mean, come on. Look at. 
in, in our in our previous episode, which was Alien, look how much we talked about. That's true. Cum. True. Yeah. Cum is never not no, funny. That fucking that one joke that they have in the first scary movie, where it's like basically the equivalent to Billy and Sydney are they're having sex, and then when when Billy comes, he comes so incredibly hard that it pushes her up to the ceiling, and it's like this big fucking cum like fire hydrant, and I I <laughs> lose it. But that's the only good joke. I mean, why wouldn't... I mean, cum is never not funny, so, of course, that is just, like, the only thing that would make any of us laugh. Oh, God. I would probably be like, wow, I hate it, while laughing. Yeah, for sure. Otherwise, that movie is terrible, and I don't want to talk about it anymore. <laughs> <laughs> so, so, what's some of our favorite moments? Oh, man, shit. Okay, I'm trying to think. I already uh, know what mine is, thankfully. Okay, go. What, what's your favorite? Oh, my my yeah. favorite is the garage scene. Is it? Yeah, the garage scene with Tatum and how yeah. she's talking to Ghostface and how that whole sequence goes down. She throws the beers at him and he's just such a bumbling mm. idiot. Uh, I mean... Yeah, garage yeah. scene's good. That was definitely Stu in that costume. Oh, definitely. No, that no, definitely it's not. Stu. No, it's not. It's Billy because oh, Billy true, comes he, around the side. That's when he finally shows up. Stu yeah. is mm. in the party during that time. Stu is kind of like keeping an eye on the party. Does that make sense? Like he's making sure everything's yeah. going okay. So it had to be Billy because he comes running around the side of the house. So we kind of figured that out. We were looking at that while we were watching it. Yeah. <laughs> it's so bumbling. I'd have just thought it was Stu. Well, Billy sucks. <laughs> yeah. That, that's all you got to say. Billy, Matthew Lillard Billy sucks God. ass. Billy, Billy sucks. What was your favorite moment, Chrissy? Oh, it's when Randy's discussing the rules and he's just laying there in front. I'm pretty sure they're watching Evil Dead. No, they're watching Halloween. Halloween? They're watching Halloween. They are watching Halloween. Halloween. <laughs> yeah, but Evil Dead's, or Evil Dead's in the VHSs on the TV. Oh, is it really? He's just sort of laying there talking to obviously people who don't really give a fuck. Right. Well, when he's laying there, that's when he's actually watching it by himself yeah. and everybody's already mm. left. That's true. He's just like, no, Jamie. No, get out of the way, Jamie. And he's referring to Jamie even though his name is Jamie. Yeah. And I, that was, <laughs> I just thought that There's was funny. There's some sort of, yes, deep irony there. <laughs> yeah, no. That's, like, just that whole sequence is my favorite moment. You know, just my favorite. I just love it. God. And also, it's me at a party telling people about horror movies and they all just fucking leave. Same. I guess... Cause, Go on, Isaac, I, what's yours? I love the whole movie, so it's it's really hard for me to boil it down. Just I pick think, one. If I think if I had to say favorite moment, it really is the last, ha or the last third when Stu and Billy finally are revealed to be the killers. Because when I was rewatching this and when I watched it for the first time, you know, after seeing a little bit snippet of it as a kid and then finally watching it as an adult, I didn't know who the killer was. You know what I mean? And I had avoided spoilers my entire life somehow. So watching that and then getting to that moment of, oh, shit, it was them. Obviously, <laughs> it should have been very, very clear <laughs> yeah. to me way before them. But no, I mean, I was following all the red herrings. I was like, oh, well, Dewey did this. And oh, Principal Henbury did this. And mm. oh, fucking maybe it was actually. There aren't as many red herrings in one as there are in the other ones. Oh, to three be, to has be fair. a million of them. Yeah, they do. And so yeah. does four. Four is really bad about True, it. True, yeah. But that moment of the reveal and then watching them put their stupid ass plan together at the end like their in game is fucking hysterical because that's when you get Stu's impro improvised dialogue that's when you get them like stabbing each other and just like <laughs> flopping Mr. Prescott onto the floor like a fish like there's so much about that ending scene that makes the movie for me and so I, I like I said I like everything but that's my that's my big shit speaking of your roommate 
it just popped up my Instagram because for some reason occasionally it'll be like, hey, Blank has posted this. And it posted ashes and it's just a picture of fucking Stu saying I'm a little woozy here. <laughs> so I think that's some good coincidence. Well, at least oh, yeah. they're staying on brand. At least they're staying on brand oh, for yeah. the week when we do scream. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, so final thoughts? God, I love this movie. Yeah, this movie's great. <laughs> uh, if you haven't seen this movie, and it's entirely possible you haven't seen this movie, please fucking watch this movie. Because it's so good. It's, it's such a... It's very interesting. And I remember doing it as a case study at at uh, college, which would be for you guys, like, between, like, the end of high school. Because we leave school at 16. Right. right. Y'all leave yeah. at, like, 18. Yeah. Right. So... Yeah, I in my film studies class for the horror module, the case study was Texas Chain Nosferatu, Texas Chainsaw, Scream, and Eden Lake. Huh. And so doing the film, doing the uh, film study on Scream, it's just like, oh, <laughs> oh dear, it's, it's you transport me back to like sh- shitting on my film studies teacher <laughs> and yeah. fucking nothing about this movie. Yeah. Gosh. And, and, thank you. Yeah, and it is one of those movies that it is like it's a classic in a different era than you're used to seeing classics in, I guess. Mm. Um, because this is that, that era of film that is like kind of sucks in general, but like Scream is such a bright, shining moment in that era that it's just like you have to watch it and you have to understand how important it was at the time and how important it still is. You know, I feel like if you haven't seen Scream, totally watch it and. If like if you're a horror fan at all, it's one of those things that should definitely be on on your list. It should definitely be on your shelf. It's one of the. It's a really important one. And I mean, just, scream don't suck. Yeah, I mean, it, it's easy to disregard. I feel like you know what I mean. I feel like there's a lot of maybe movie buffs out there that would look at Scream and be like, "This is a popcorn movie, whatever." You know what I mean? Yes. Like it's just kind of like a light mm. feature for you to like enjoy for a day i don't know i love this movie i keep coming back to this movie and it's so it's funny but it's also i get i can remember actually i can remember one of the worst bits of the scream series the first two seasons of the tv series Mm -hmm. they made a tv series out of this by the way yes fucking why yeah that's kind of my feeling i can remember the TV series, like still the ghost face and the, the 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 cell phone killer, that whole dynamic. I remember walking out of my house and hearing a rustling in the bushes when I'm leaving for work at three o'clock in the morning, turning around being like scared out of my mind just because I've been binge watching the Scream TV series. You know what <laughs> I mean? Like that shouldn't happen. It wasn't a good series. Scream's not a scary movie, but it's frightening. And I think the one thing that we didn't talk about. The one thing that we didn't talk about that I the reason I like it is because Scream's killer is always corporeal. It's always down to earth. Yes. There's always it's a human in a mask. It's not yeah. supernatural. It's not some demon from hell. It's not some blob from outer space. It's just a guy who's like sniffed his own farts too many times. <laughs> it really is. Like that's Still all that... totally sniff his own farts. Oh yeah. That's all that it is, and that is what makes it scary to me, because this could happen to anyone, and I mean, it's it's the narrative of any serial killing in the United States, you know what I mean? The details might be different, but it's still a guy coming after you, and 
what happens after that. You know what I mean? Very it's scary. Very occasionally a woman. But yes, it's... Occasionally. Occasionally. Yeah. Very occasionally. Mm-hmm. True. But that's that, that's my final thoughts is like I said, be careful out there. <laughs> yeah, true. Yeah, buddy system. Yeah, it's buddy important. system. It's important. Uh, well, thank you all for listening, and of course, this is going to be you know in that series of uh, films that we do for uh, October. Halloween. Spooky. It's our uh, first Halloween season. Yeah, I know, right? Yeah. When did we start? December. Did we start? Oh, like, we started around. No, Christmas we started time? in January. Uh, we did our first episode in in January, but uh, we did a test episode, which we still haven't released, by the way. Uh, in, yeah, in, we put it on my phone. I wouldn't do that. In, in, in December, we did a test episode. Okay, so it was in December. All right. Yes, it was December. We did a test episode, but our first actual episode, the thing, mm. was in January. Okay. Um, but yeah, this it's is all a, a, it's all a blur now. Yeah, yeah coming on a year. Yeah, so. almost there. Almost there. Well, this is our first Halloween, and so we still got uh, two more, two more to go mm-hmm. in in Halloween. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So. And uh, oh, the next one, I love the next one. Oh yeah, the next one's great. The next one's amazing. <laughs> um, and yeah, I think y'all really love it. And then the last one for this this month, oh my god, it's gonna be so good. It's it's gonna be good. And I am handing in my notice a little bit early so I can maybe actually have the time off to do the research. Yeah, yeah, it's going to be a heavy research episode. It's going to yeah. be a real long episode, so we'll... Stay tuned! Stay tuned. Yeah. <laughs> uh, thank you all for listening. Later, guys. We love you. We love you. I gotta pee. <laughs> I gotta go to bed. Bye. Bye.